Welcome to the On the Edge podcast with your host, Scott Groves. And just for context, Matt, how long have you been married? How many kids you have? Uh, I've been married, what is this? is 2022. So we've been married 14 years, been together 17. Awesome. Um, and we have three, three young heroes. Oh, that's 11, awesome. 9, and 6. 11, 9, and 6. All right, cool. Well, maybe you can give me some coaching here on the spot for my six-year-old. Because if you would have asked me right when we got on this call, how are you doing with your son? I'd be like, fine, we're fine. Because I was <laughs> I was about to rip his throat out before we got on this podcast. Um, yeah. So, you know, six years old seems to be the age, and maybe this just never ends, where it's like there's some stuff that he pushes back against that I sure. know he loves doing, right? So it's like sure. you get out of school at 3, 3.30, you're rushing home. We're going to get changed. We're going to go to the 4 p.m. jujitsu class, and it's like, Dad, I don't want to go to jujitsu. I'm like, yeah, you say that, but the moment you get there, you love it. You're on the mat. You're having a great time. Even when you get embarrassed because, you know, at this age, men and women are about the same physicality. When some girl absolutely whoops his ass and he gets a little embarrassed, um, you know, he doesn't want to go back the next day. So I'm struggling with this balance of put your fucking clothes on. You're going to jujitsu and it's going to be a fight versus like, all right, cool. You want to quit? Quit. It's your life. I'm not going to tell you what to do 24-7. If you want to go play in the backyard instead of go to jiu-jitsu, go to jiu- don't, do, don't go to jiu-jitsu, but I'm promising you, son, you're going to be disappointed in a couple years when everybody has out, you know, out surpassed you or surpassed you in that field. So so there's this tension right now, and it, and it, it only comes up once in a while because most of the time my son's game for anything, right? Um, yeah. But it comes up just enough where I'm like, oh, I am failing as a parent here because I'm having a hard time controlling my emotions when my son yeah. says, no, I don't want to do that. I'm like, I know you want to do that. You just say you don't want to want to do that, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah, um, so yeah. g- give me some parenting advice as somebody's a little bit further along the journey. So, you know, here, so I, again, I got a six-year-old young man uh, as well, and, and you and I both were six-year-old young men, so you're not wrong on the pushing of the buttons, right? And that's ingrained in us. Right. So since we know that already, you know, one of the things I always talk to parents about is being proactive versus being reactive. You already know there's a potential he's going to be doing that. He's going to push back on you. He's going to say he doesn't want to go. And you know, it's going to push your buttons. And you know, depending on how tired you are, you might get pissed and be like, God damn, we've already talked about this. Like, let's, you know, you know that that's going to be there, right? Totally. So when you're, when it's not a jujitsu day, when it's a weekend, when it's a morning time, when it's whatever, we need to proactively put something around to, to get in front of that. And so there's a number of things that, you know, that we do as a family and I always speak in the context of like, look, this works for us. And so modify this for whatever works for your own family. But we do a few different things. Um, you know, one, the studio contract that you see in an act and Academy, right. And you've got the young people come together and we talked about that just briefly, right. And they come together and they build that little constitution that goes, look, this governs, um, who we are and how we're going to be. Those contracts are, are very values driven and allows for tangible conversations later to where I can go, hey, you know, Scott, you signed this contract just like I did. I'm, I'm over here doing my core skills and you're coming over here and you're messing with my computer. Um, that is a direct violation of this. So I'm going to ask you to stop. Otherwise, right, it gives them that tangible conversation and they can go back to that morality and those values. I always recommend families doing that at home. Build out, build that core value, build the, here's who we are, here's who we're not, like start with those values. Um, and we've got our, you know, 11 rules at home, our Bodro's 11 rules. We got it up in the house. Everybody came together to put those together. We all agreed on it and it allows us to hold each other accountable to those things, which by the way, isn't just dad can tell you, Hey, look at the rules. My six-year-old son, my nine-year-old daughter, my 11-year-old daughter, they can go, hey, dad, rule number six, man, is, is no complaining. Fix it. You, you kind of sound like you're complaining right now. What's your solution? Love it. And then, I, and then I go, ah, you're right. I do have to find a solution, right? Because then there's a bond built. There's trust built. I'm not hypocritical. It's not the do as I say, not as I do bullshit that doesn't work. Right. Right. They know because they're going to do what you do before they do what you say. So if you are leading by character all the time and you're allowing them to hold you to that, that sets a solid foundation, right? And then especially with our young men, so that's that's one piece of the puzzle, getting that proactively there helps solidify this foundation. 
and it gives you a little bit of a tangible, like, Hey, this is what we do. This is what we don't do. How does jujitsu play into this? You can have that conversation. What do we, what do we want to do? What do we want to agree on? And is jujitsu something you want, something I want, something we both want. Cause if it's something that just dad wants, but I agree with you that it's crazy valuable, then we make it a trade-off where, you know, there's a lot of, uh, it's popular now for, for a lot of these educators or faux educators to say, uh, external rewards are never okay. That's a horse. That's horseshit too. You and I both work and we get paid for it. Um, there's nothing necessarily wrong with external rewards. You don't want it to be, you want intrinsic motivation, right. but you can use some external rewards sometimes too. Right. So for him, it's like, okay, well, if he really is like wavering on it, you're like, okay, cool. This is where you're going to do this for dad. And this is going to be something that we'll put on as a responsibility for you. But if you will take this on as a responsibility, you can earn this freedom. Um, and, and we have a balance in our house of like, yeah, you've got all the freedoms, all the things you want to do within reason that we say are okay, but you've got all the responsibilities that need to come first. And maybe jujitsu is a responsibility, um, you know, cause it's not, you're not, like you said, he enjoys it while he's there. Um, of so maybe that's a responsibility for him that earns him, you know, a, a, another freedom uh, of some sort. So, um, you know, and then the, the other thing that I always try to do, especially with my young man, is I try to be very, I do with all three of my kids, but I'm especially with him right now is I try to be very, very intentional with my, um, with my emotions, um, so that I don't ever snap. Right. I want to be super intentional that when he hits the mark, he knocks it out of the park on something that we have determined is what the Baudros do, right? These are our family values. And you do this, you exhibit this behavior. I'm going to call him out inspirationally. So uh, example, a couple of weeks ago, walking out into the garden, he starts to go in, he stops, pulls the gate open and he goes, I'm sorry, ladies first. And he lets his mom go through and he lets his sisters go through, right? I grabbed him and I picked him up and I went, hey man, I just want you to know what you just did right there that's what good men do. You did that because you are a good man. You have the right heart. You have a servant heart. You are leading the ladies, right? I'm pouring into them all of the things that I think a man should do. And I'm making that inspiration just going, that is you, man. I love that. That's awesome. Way to go. Put them down and have them run off. Likewise, when he misses the mark, because he will, I need to be intentionally super, super calm on it. And just, Hey man, we've got our contract. It's, you know, responsibility comes before what? Freedom. What are you exhibiting right now? Freedom. Did you take care of all your responsibilities? No. What do you need to do? I need to go fix it. Cool, man. Sounds good. Yeah. Super chill, super calm, but there's no negotiating. It just, it makes it black and white. Right. And so whatever you can do to get in that black and white situation, whether it's based on your contract, whether it's based on the responsibility freedom scale, whatever that looks like, it just starts to change the pattern of how he thinks about that. You know, it's funny because I'm thinking of I'm thinking of your 11 rules. I'm guessing just because I know you a bit. I'm guessing there's one on there about health and fitness or something, right? Like we're we're the type of family that works out five times a week or what, what, whatever it is. What, what's your health and fitness one? Because I'm going to guess that's on your contract. We <laughs> we uh, we talk about that the most with our discipline. So we stole Jocko's discipline equals freedom. And I'm bringing them up right now um, on my phone. So I can, and I should, I have them all memorized, but this allows me to go in order um, and not mess it up. But discipline equals freedom is the, the one that we relate fitness to the most um, because it is fitness is a huge part. And we actually had a whole um, kind of mini family quest a couple of weeks ago just to revisit why it is so important and what happened. And we went down this old school documentary road that was freaking fantastic and got them super fired up. Um, but discipline equals freedom is the one that we use the most uh, for that. Because you talk about the discipline of, of continually work. They see me working out every day. They see my wife work out every day. And they understand that we are free from a lot of the things that other people suffer with um, because we're disciplined around the food and around and around exercise. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have some really, I have some really bad habits and, and I'm like cognizant of this. Cause as you're talking, I'm like, Oh, well, you know, I'm sure I could come up with something with my son. Like he loves to get an icy from Seven Eleven. That's his, that's his sugar fix. And I'm like, well, we could have some responsibilities like, Hey buddy, if we work out four times a week, as soon as you hit the fourth workout in jujitsu, that could happen by Wednesday. That could happen by Sunday, whatever, you know, we'll, we'll go get an icy you know, from Seven Eleven or whatnot. 
I also have some bad health habits around my family raising us where, you know, sweets, sugar, eating out equaled rewards. Yeah. So like in yeah. my in my lizard brain, it's like I'm crushing it. I'm making money. I'm right where I want to be in life. Of course yeah. I should be able to go to 7-Eleven on a random Tuesday and get a big gulp and a, and a stack of double stuff Oreos. And then I eat it and I'm like, great, that was 3,000 calories of wasteful, disgusting carcinogens that I didn't yeah. need to eat. So it's like I'm worried about yeah. creating a reward structure around food or sugar or something like that. So I'm, as, yeah. as you're talking, I'm kind of like zoning out a bit. What could I create as a as a freedom or a reward uh, external um, and for that responsibility. Talk to him, you know, talk to him about that too and see what, see what kind of things he thinks for my, for my young man. Sometimes it is, um, you know, for, for all three of my kids, money doesn't hurt. Um, and they've got, you know, certain things that they want to earn and they've all had, you know, the girls especially have had businesses and have bought their own. You know, I always tell people we had horses in California because my girls bought the horses. Um, and so they're all, um, financially motivated and, and he's not no different, right. And wants to get some new Legos or something like that. Um, I, I stay, and again, do it. And people are gonna do whatever they want to do. It doesn't bother me a bit. I stay away from the, um, you know, the food as, as reward stuff, um, just because I don't want that to be seen, you know, when he's older, let him decide on that, but I'm not going right. to reward, reward with that right now. Interesting. But. Um, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to give some more, some more thoughts to this, this contract. And you know, it's funny when we, when we relate this back to school, may, maybe the main problem is right now schools don't have a contract with the parents or with the students of like, Hey, you give us 12 years of your life. We will give you X, Y, Z. It's like, no, you give us 12 years of your life and we'll teach you how to go into debt to get four more years. And then you go to four more years of college and we'll teach you how to go further into debt with a three-year MBA. And then after right. you get your MBA, we'll teach you how to go be, you know, grade level in a financial institution where I'm trying to think what I can say here because I have some insider information. A buddy of mine is a director for a large yeah. financial company, has hundreds of people underneath him. And yeah. you either have to go to get your MBA or you have to come out of a very prestigious college to get into this path of, you know, an analyst and then a this and then a partner and then a blah, 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 blah. And they still at his school uh, or at his employment, they talk about what class level are you, right? So he came out of college in 2002. You know, he's now 20th class level. Um, and that's how they talk to people. They're like, oh, you're a third-year analyst. You're, you're a third-year class or whatnot. And, and they, it's insane. And he goes, you know, what's crazy, Scott, is you would crush it in this job, but you could never get in because you didn't go, you know, uh, uh, Ivy League, then an MBA, and then the class level. He's like, we probably, and this is a very large international company. He's like, we yeah. probably, uh, we don't retain nearly as much talent as we should because we burn them out. And sure. we also can't attract talent in midstream because you didn't go through the right path. And so I'm just thinking like, whether it comes yeah. to school or college or those jobs, like I'm thinking about this, how can I bring this into my employment of people? Like, hey man, this is the contract. You give me 40 hours of hard work. Here's the things that I'm gonna give you as an employer above and beyond a paycheck. Yep, that's it, man. And gamify it that way. Here's the game. Here's the specific game you're playing. Here's how you're gonna win the game. And here's what you get when you win. And very much so. I think more employers should do that and simplify it that way. And more employers should look at it from a, uh, you know, a, a DNA perspective of can you play this game versus any of these, you know, faux credentials. And thankfully, there are more and more organizations that are the organization that you're talking about. It's going to they're going to there's no way to. And again, I don't know who it is, and I'm sure they've got a lot of, uh, you know, they're riding on a reputation or, or something. That's great. Um, but there's no recipe for longevity there. They're in trouble, man. Yeah, yeah. I um, I, I love that. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna find out how I can bring this contract more into my family, into my work life. Um, mm -hmm. you know, I I want to I want to get some feedback here, and we'll probably get a little political and a little societal. But you know, you said stuff about I, I'm just kind of circling some of the words that I wrote down. Talking to your son about being a good man, right? Um, Apogee Strong being about, hey, you have a reading curriculum, which I, I've seen your guys' reading list. It's phenomenal. I've read most of the books on there. Um, and then we also want you to work out. We want you to be a strong, physical man. Yep. And, and you've mentioned a lot of things, uh, character traits, uh, becoming a man, opening the door for women, that mm -hmm. if, I'm, if I'm giving it the most gen, gener, generous interpretation are out of vogue, if I'm giving it what I actually think, it's there is an active battle 
against men being men, uh, treating women appropriately, uh, maybe they want us to be women, uh, being physically strong. And I'll, I'll mention a couple articles that I've read, and then maybe you can kind of give me your take. You know, recently there's this big uh, FBI memo that was leaked where, you know, if you wear a libertarian uh, shirt, the Gadsden flag, or you believe in sovereignty or secure borders, you, you're probably a domestic terrorist. And then mm -hmm. I, I read another article recently how jujitsu and CrossFit and that workout culture is kind of the the silent dog whistle underbelly of like white nationalists. And you mm -hmm. know, you you just start to see all this stuff being vilified. I always say vilified, villainized. I always get that wrong. Vilified, I think. You yeah. you see all these, you know, what I would consider up until maybe the 70s or 80s, traditionally yeah. upstanding held tradition and values and and kind of how we wanted men to act there is just a full frontal assault against that. You know, whether it's whether it's uh, uh, legal institutions trying to take down the Boy Scouts of America or whether it's the, 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 the villainizing the church, whatever that means, whether it's, you know, getting, getting rid of uh, any type of manly exertion, whether that's roughhousing with your friends or being physically fit. Oh, that's toxic masculinity. I mean, it's just, right. it's just being attacked from all angles. And yes, one, I, I don't really understand why. I think I know why, but I don't understand why. And and number two, um, why and then how do we push back? Because I would be willing to bet I've got some friends or realtor partners or people that I, you know, lived with closely and, and consider friends in Los Angeles where if they watch this interview or they could kind of read my mind on how I feel about manliness, they've been predispositioned to think that there's something wrong with that. And, and right. I, I don't... I don't understand. So could you talk about a, a little bit of the <coughs> the pushback against man, manliness, I guess I'll call it, and then why it's so important for organizations like Apogee Strong to say, no, this is this is okay, and this is actually a beautiful standard to uh, aspire to. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, 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 um, it's interesting because it's not just the cultural push against, and you see it in, in all these areas of, of um you see it in health and do the, the whole cross that white nationalist thing is freaking hilarious. Um, you know, it's the, the push to, uh, have more people go vegan vegetarian. I don't care if you want to do that for whatever your reasons are, that's fine. But to push it as like, that's the health thing when we, you know, is, is again, it's, it's kind of an overt attack on, on human health and, and human development, um, from my understanding. So you've got all these pushes against, but you also have the celebration of the opposite, right? You've got, um, you know, men in film and in music and in TV and in culture are being celebrated for uh, being the caricature of a man. So you're either the uh, you're the goofball, Peter Griffin, Homer Simpson, you know, yeah. Will Ferrell, dad bod, cool, whatever. Like you've got that that's being pushed. Um, or you, you know, if you are aggressive, then it's, uh, or aggressive or physically fit, um, you know, you're, you're forthright in your speech. Well, then that's inherently toxic, right? And that's a, that's a bad thing, which by the way, toxic masculinity is an oxymoron. True masculinity is an honorable set of values and service, you know, to other people. So it can't be toxic. Um, there's shitty people and those are toxic men or women. Right. Um, but you know, you can't have toxic masculinity as an oxymoron. So you've got the, the propagation of all of that as well, where they're glorifying all of this. And then you got your Harry Styles wearing a dress or, you know, whatever. And that's the stuff that we're showing to our young people. And we're saying, look, let's celebrate, you know, that kind of stuff. So it is a full on cultural attack. Uh, and it's a cultural attack that really started in higher ed. I mean, that really started you know, in, you know, I hate to even use the term higher ed. It started at our colleges and universities. We're at a place right now where we've got, nine, I think last time I saw it, and I could be uh, off on the exact percentage, but it was somewhere around 90-ish percent of college professors identified as far left. Um, and I'm not a political guy. I don't, uh, I'm not in the left versus right versus what, like, I don't get into all that garbage. But when there's, you know, you've got all of your, institutions that are supposed to be teaching people how to think that are very clearly there to tell you what to think. And now you've got that creeping into schools, like people underestimate how powerful all of that is when, you know, we're talking about, you know, acting and, and apogee and homeschool and all this kind of stuff. 
you still have 90 some odd plus percent of the population going to a conveyor belt school. So that is a vast majority of our students that are getting indoctrinated with all of this stuff. Um, so, yeah, I mean, so the question is, what is the end game, right? Like, why? What is the end game? And who's yeah. um, who's benefiting from this? Who's benefiting from a society that is villainizing strong uh, people and strong characteristics in general. And then what are the strong people to do? Well, unfortunately, um, so many of the strong people are caught up in, first of all, the religion of school. So I know a lot of good men, strong, young, strong men that are like, Hey, you know, but I turned out fine. Right. And so right. then they're sending their kids there and they're wondering why it's the whole send your, you know, kid to Caesar or whatever that, that whole thing is. And they're wondering right. why they come back you know, and then, well, but you got to go to college as well. Cause you know, college is what you need to be successful. And you go there and then they come back and they're like, Hey, you know, by the way, God doesn't exist. I might be a woman and I might, you know, that, that happens far more often than not, or they're exposed to ideas that don't even necessarily, you know, hit. So, um, you know, as far as what do we do, I'm never a big fan of conveyor belt schools or sending our kids to them. I'm not a big fan of not speaking your mind. I don't want to be, you know, aggressive and be the the jerk that's pissing everybody off. And, um, you know, I don't think that's the way to go, but I think it's these kind of conversations. It's the, you know, we did the man uncaged event, um, in April in Roseville. Um, and, you know, we had a, a hundred and some odd men that were there. We streamed it out to a few thousand, um, and just talking about all of these issues and, and how do we starting at home, how do we make sure we are being the example of good men first, the whole Jordan Peterson, you know, uh, kind of get your own, get your own house in order before we go out and try to change the world sort of concept. Yeah. I think we got to start there. Um, but it's, it's crazy, man. It is. That's a big, that's a big, uh, tackle. So, gotta make. so I want to ask you personally, you know, I, I know you as a smart guy, you're entrepreneurial, uh, I, I think you've got that in like just inherent work ethic. Why, why this, why the calling to, you know, Apogee open acting academies? Like, I, I feel like you could open a real estate brokerage and be, you know, exponentially or wealthier or, or, you know, have, have more of the limelight and more of the success. So talking about you specifically, you know, getting your house in order, making sure your wife and children are taken care of, but taking that next step to really give up other avenues mm -hmm. you could have pursued what is it about this current time in society or your personality or something your grandmother said to you when you were 12 years old like what what uh -huh. is, what is it for you specifically like you're like man this is this is my mission i need to try to affect as many young men specifically as possible that's a really good question man i appreciate that question um you know and it goes back to kind of what we talk about with acting of un, you know unlocking people's true genius and, and unlocking, um, you know, they can find a calling that will allow them to change the world. Right. And so I really look at this as what my calling, uh, is and has been. Uh, and I think I recognize that at a, at a pretty early age. Um, and this is super, uh, comes across as super freaking cheesy, but there are a lot of things that, um, I either watched movie wise or, or read, I've always been a reader, um, that really changed the trajectory and helped kind of mold this mission for me. I remember being 14 and sitting in the theater and watching uh, Braveheart. And in, in fact, that was the first time I'd ever gone to a movie with a girl. Uh, and the part in the movie where he says, you know, every man dies, not every man really lives. I remember being shook to my core as a 14 year old going, holy sh Yeah, dude, that's right. And my dad is completely just existing. All of his friends are just existing. I don't know if I know any good men that are truly out there, like actually on a mission, trying to impact something and change something and build a legacy. I remember feeling that at 14 going, I don't know what that means for me, but I got to figure that out. And I remember, you know, later on reading fight club before I ever watched the movie and, and Tyler Durden's whole approach of not giving a shit of, you know, about societal standards and what somebody else thinks of you. And, and I remember going, Oh my gosh, why do people care so much about like, it's got to be a fear. And most people have this fear of what other people think about them. And that never sat well with me. And I'm like, man, how do I unlock, how do I unlock that fear for people? And I always took it, you know, at that age I was taking, it was like, how do I unlock it? How do I go to a man and unlock that fear for him um, so that he becomes a better person? And eventually at some point it kind of hit me where it's like, well, shit, 
why am I going and, and trying to unlock? Why am I going to try to focus on unlocking this fear from this grown man when the easiest way to do that would be, what if I had met him when he was a kid and I just made sure that never got a hold of him anyways, yeah. right? Just made sure he was never broken anyways. It's like the whole, uh, you ever read how they train elephants to, to, for the circus, like they tie their legs uh, to a stake when they're little, right? When they're small, when they're baby elephants. And so they physically, they're trying to break free, man, and they can't, they physically can't do it. And so they mentally break and they go, well, fuck, I guess this is just what I'm relegated to. So they stay there. And then what happens is later they're a full grown elephant. They're this magnificent, powerful freaking beast. But if you put that little rope around their leg and you tie it up to the post, they won't move. They won't budge because they go, ah, I can't break it. And that's what we're doing to men. And we're doing it early. We're doing it when they're kids. We're breaking them when they're young with these bad habits. And so for me, that was a way to get in front of that, to actually live a legacy, to get in front of it and help people not be these broken versions of what they could have been, you know, as, as they're older. Um, and then the other movie that really kind of hit me, my wife and I saw it together when we were engaged. Um, we didn't have kids yet, obviously. And, and uh, it was the pursuit of happiness. You ever see that with Will Smith about yeah. Chris Garner, right? And there was the scene where he is um, with his boy and they're in the BART station, uh, you know, and they're sleeping on the floor and he's got his foot against the door. So nobody comes in and they're just sleeping on that. And man, for whatever reason, that just shook me too. And I just, I'm like, man, I'm going to be a dad. It's going to be the greatest thing I ever do. And I need to do everything I can do to make sure not only does that never happen, but that they're never in that kind of position, right? They're the, the freaking ninjas that are in control of their own life. Um, and so that's why, you know, again, when they were young enough to where they were going to be going to school and hadn't been there yet, I'm like, well, fuck, no, I'm, they're not, I don't care what I have to do. Um, they're going to have a different trajectory period. End of story. Uh, I'll die before that doesn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you said something really profound there, and I want to make sure we don't gloss over it. The control of my own life. And mm. and I don't care which flavor of, we'll call it wokeism, we'll call it Marxism, we'll call it a yep. societal pushback. I don't care which flavor of it you pick, whether it's, you know, race-based or sex-based or sexuality-based or, or socioeconomic-based. When you start to tell a vast majority of the population they have no control of the outcome of their life because they're gay or they're straight or they're white or they're black or they're poor or they're rich. I mean, I can't think of a worse lesson to teach to teach right. a human being, much less a child, which is where right. the current public school district kind of grosses me out. Like yep. to in any way enforce upon somebody that you don't have control over your life, it just, it's sickening to me. And, and I don't know, you know, take the 10% that are homeschooling or Apogee Strong or Acton Academy or, or fighting back against the system. I don't know how we have that breakthrough to the other 90% of like, I understand many of you, many of you are working from a point of best intentions. But what you're actually downloading onto these kids' little hard drive is they don't have... Um, right. they, they don't have control of their own life, right? And I think that's a really a really scary thing to, to tell a children. Like one of my, one of my favorite things to tell my kid is I just like, yeah, tell me how you can't do that. You know, he'll be like, dad, can you tie my shoe? It's like, no, you can tie your shoe. He's like, no, I'm really tired. I can't do it. I'm like, tell me again how you can't do that. And we'll sit there. And there's been a few times where he's like bawling out of control on the steps. And the easiest thing for me to do would just be to reach down and fix it for him. And I'm like, no, t tell me again how you can't do that. And then mm -hmm. as soon as he does the thing, he lights up as a human being, stops crying, smiles. He's like, Dad, I, I, I could do it. I could do it. I could do it. That's right. And that's where you capitalize, right? That's where you capitalize and go, look, man, I knew it. I knew. And you don't, you don't praise the end result on that. You don't praise the look of how good you tied it. You don't praise, you praise the fact that he fought through that, that he had control over it. Even when it was tough, he persevered through it, right? You capitalize on that journey right there, because those are the qualities. Those are the characteristics that are going to carry him, right? So that he's, because right now you're building his inner voice, right? When he gets to be 12, 13, 14, He's going to naturally start seeking some outside voices as well. And then you got to, again, be intentional about who gets to speak into his life, right? Right. Um, it's, you're building that inner voice for him right now. You know, you and I have that inner voice that we have those conversations. Everybody does. When we're that little, that's our dad's inner voice for a young man. So you're building that. 
then as he gets older and starts looking for it, you got to be intentional about who are the guys that get to speak into. And that's where parents, you know, it's, uh, it drives me crazy on the whole socialization side. How are they going to socialize if they don't go, holy crap, like, what are they being socialized for? Who are they being socialized by? And the people that you want speaking into their life or other more than anybody else in terms of hours of the day and hours per week are other six and seven-year-olds that don't have any other life experience and may come from shitty homes. Those are the people you want to have the most influence on him for his socialization. Right. That's that shit crazy. And again, that's part of the religious indoctrination, you know, and, right. um, and that's exactly it. And it's, again, it's the release of our sovereignty. It's that cycle, man. Um, you know, and you talk about the fact could have gone into other industries and made other, you bet. Absolutely. Um, and I know I have a lot of friends that are far and away more wealthy, um, than I am, but I'll tell you what, I don't know anybody that's happier. I don't know anybody, uh, that's at more, that's got more peace than I do. I don't know anybody that's got the relationship with their wife that I do. I don't know anybody that's got the relationship with their kids that I do. I don't know anybody. I'll take that all day. Yeah. Perfect. Amazing. No. Perfect. No, it's not. Don't. It's no. Um, absolutely not. But do I strive for it? Yes. Is it closer than a whole? Yes. Because that's that's my legacy. That's the goal. That's amazing. We, we've spent a lot of time talking about young men, but I know your two oldest are girls, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so how, what's the, what's the apogee strong for girls? What's the, what's yeah. the way that you're pouring into them? And, and are, are your girls just tomboys that like to wrestle and shoot guns and whatnot? <laughs> or are they, are they in ballet and you found a way to embrace that? Like, how are you pouring into the very important women in your life? Yeah, that's good. That's so on the apogee side, we know that's a vertical we want to hit. Tim and I just both know we're not we're not the women for the job. Um, right. you know, so, so we know that's a vertical, but in it, but because it will take more time and more of an infrastructure and more of a, um, a very intentional, you know, we're going to have to have partnerships with the right women in order to make that work. And the structure will likely have to look different. Um, you know, so that's a, it's like the last vertical for us because of those reasons because we know that there is that need there we just know there's no way in hell i need to mentor 12 and 13 year old girls that aren't mine like i just right. that's not that that's not right so um so we're going to do that on the apogee side when we can build out those partnerships on my own daughter's side you know it's i look at i audit my kids for who they are um, the contract still applies. All of those freedoms and responsibility, that whole thing still applies. Um, how I speak to them still applies. And it actually matters, you know, probably more. I mean, they're looking at me as like, this is what a man is. This is how a man treats a woman. They watch me, you know, talk to my wife. This is how, you know, my future husband needs to treat me. This is how people, like they are looking to me to be that example. So I need to be super, super intentional about that. Um, they've got chores and responsibilities on, on the homestead. We moved out to this ranch. Um, so do they shoot guns? Yeah, we've got a gun. We've got a gun range. We've got an archery range on our ranch and they'll get out there and, and do those. Um, they'll get out there and work, you know, the animals and help build shelters. And um, they've got their specific responsibilities. So they're, they're tough, but they're also, you know, one's very much the horse girl. And so she's into riding horses. She was the one that was really pushing them buying those horses with their, business money. So the horses is like, that's her thing, man. And the other one is a gymnast and that was her thing. And just, that was what they inherently really wanted to focus on. So I just, I'm riding that wave with them, man. That's amazing. And what are, you know, you have a couple preteen girls. Uh, what, what are some of the unique challenges of being a father to girls? Cause I, I've got a four-year-old in the pipeline and she's, oh. she's tough, man. She's me. Um, I, I keep, jo I keep joking that my son is so empathetic and so sympathetic. Yeah. He's very much like my mom or my, my yeah. wife. He's very much like his mom. Um, I, I have a feeling my son will one day be the greatest physical therapist in the history of the world because he's just so good with people. My yeah. daughter, on the other hand, um, she's either going to be the CEO or I'm going to see, you know, the back of her as she drives off with some guy in a Harley as she flips me off when she's 16. She's just, she's, she's yeah. hardcore, man. And so yeah, give me some ideas on raising strong-willed women. Yeah, man. And strong-willed is a good thing. Man. I agree. Want I agree. That's a really good thing, right? You want to harness it. Cause there's a, there's a fine line. I'm, I'm strong-willed 
Um, and I have had tendency in my younger years until I grew and I'm sure I still do this and still mess it up, but I was an asshole. Like I could be an asshole. Yeah. Right? I don't want to be that guy um, at all anymore. I want to intentionally make sure he doesn't show up period. Right. Um, so, but the strong willed part has served me well. If I focused it the right way, same thing for our girls. And our, my first daughter is very much like that too. Very strong willed. Um, but it's the same thing. I'll praise the strong will itself versus a result. I'll praise her and I'll do it in, in times where that strong will, you know, strong will at nine, when you save up enough money to buy a horse, Amazing. that's a strong will. And I praise that, not the end result, but look at what you could do when you put your mind to it. You are, uh, you know, you're a superhero with the way that you can do this. Like you're going to change the world with this. You're going to lead so many people. You're going to, you know, I'm putting those thoughts in her head. I'm putting that, that's the language that we're using. Um, and so it's not different than what I'm doing with my young man in that way. And I want to make sure, especially with the girls, that nothing is awkward with dad. Like there's just conversations just around everything. There's no like, you know, we don't talk about, we don't talk about this. We don't talk about, I'm not bringing up intentionally uh, someday you're going to get your period. Let's talk about that today, right? Like we're not doing that, but we're out on a farm and, you know, dog is, is jumping on another dog. And it's like, oh my God, what is that? Okay. Well, that's, yeah, that's the, that's mating, you know? And so, okay. So that's how they, yep. That's how they, that's how they have puppies. And, you know, it's the whole genitals thing. And huh, interesting. We just talked about it very clinically, but it's like, there's no weirdness, right? Because right. as she gets older, I want her to just to know dad is as, as safe as it gets in terms of just like, here's what's going on in my head. Here's what I'm thinking. Here's what I'm feeling. Um, it's possible, man. Girl, the, the stereotype of the girls have to be hard and not want to talk to their dad and it gets weird. No, they're going to be an emotional wreck, but so are your boys. And it doesn't have to be strange though. Right. I agree. So I, I kind of want to close with this, this idea. Um, you know, I, I would consider myself a libertarian. Um, and I would, this is a vast generalization, okay? Um, but let's say a majority of the people who you and I know who are moving towards an acting academy, who are moving towards a Waldorf school, who are moving towards Montessori and Apogee Strong and looking for alternatives to the current structure, you know, that 10% of people, we said 90% still sending their kids to conveyor belt school, 10% going a different direction. In general, I would say probably that 10%, a little bit more conservative, not, you know, capital huh? C Republican, but lowercase c conservative values um, uh, prob probably sway a little bit more right of the aisle. And in our current environment, I feel like you and I, maybe, and some other people that we know, we feel like this, ev this other segment of the population is wrong in, in, what, in the direction they're going. But I get the feeling that they think we're evil. <laughs> So it's like sure. when I try to have these conversations with people about, you know, hey, maybe this is why public school isn't working or it's a little too Marxist for me or it's more of an indoctrination than an education. Like I'm trying to convince them that they're wrong and they are stuck in the idea that I am evil. Um, and, and you know, this is, this is probably the further polarization of the country under Obama and Trump. And, you know, I, I know you don't subscribe to the politics, but when we're yeah. thinking about how do we break through to that other 90%, how do we create scholarships for maybe kids that can't afford sure. to go to Acton but would thrive in that environment? When we're just trying to like say, hey, we need to push back a little tactfully, which is very hard to do on social media because only the snarky stuff seems to get conversations started. Yeah. How, how do we go about this mission of like convincing the other 90% when we're, I feel like, and maybe I'm making this up, feel free to push back and tell me I'm an idiot. I feel like I think they're wrong and they think I'm evil. It's very possible, man. But I think use a couple keywords there. Talk, you know, tactfully. I don't know that social media is ever going to be the platform that unifies us. I think that's more often than not going to be, you know, what yeah. divides it. That, that get, ship has sailed. You know, I think it really has. But, you know, when you get people in person, you end up having, um, you know, you can have conversations. And I've tried to start taking it. And I, I'll tell you where this came from. But I try to start taking it from how can I ask them more questions to expand? And it's very much an acting kind of thing where it's like, you think this and this is like, cool. What, what makes you think that I think this way and what gave you that concept? And, and what do you mean by that specifically? And what um, emotions aside, what have you seen me do? Or what have you seen me say 
um, that that made you feel this way, right? And diving into getting into those kinds of conversations, it tends to kind of unravel where they're either going to go one of two ways. One, they're going to be like overly emotional. This is in my experience, overly right. emotional. I'm not even going to talk to you anymore because it was just from emotion in the first place. And maybe right. those people will go away and think through that at some point. Maybe they won't. Um, right. I might not be able to save them from it. Um, or we get to a place, and this has happened more often than not, really, they get to a place where they're like, okay, all right, maybe I kind of misunderstood you. Maybe I kind of, and there's two, I got two specific examples of that. And it's funny because we're saying, you know, from a political standpoint. So I hosted Joe Jorgensen for her um, Northern California uh, tour when she was, when she was, uh, you know, running. Libertarian for- candidate two years ago. Mo- most people, unfortunately, well, maybe more, more of my audience will know who Joe Jorgensen is. Yeah, but, but a lot of people uh, won't know who she is. Yeah, yeah. she was the liber- Libertarian candidate for president, right? So she did her Northern California tour. So I had her at, um, she had reached out and said, Hey, I love what you're doing with the schools. And can we host at, you know, one of your campuses is a big campus. Can we host there? So I said, sure, no problem. She's like, well, you MC the event. I'm like, yep, no sweat. So I MC the event and get to introduce this political, you know, candidate or whatever. Right. And that was the first time I'd ever even talked to Joe. We ended up going out to dinner afterwards with a bunch of people and um, cool lady. But at the event, uh, I had people come up to me. And they're like, look, we're really confused about you in particular. I'm like, okay, this isn't about me. This is, we're here for Joe Jordan. Like, no, but we're looking stuff up as we're sitting here about who you are. And and this is a little bit confusing. And and we don't, we think you're kind of like, I don't know, you're running this school. And we look at the way that the school is run and it's got almost kind of this democratic feel to it. And there's this freeness and openness to it. So we're looking at that and we're going, okay, well, the guy's clearly a, a Democrat and sides with you know the democratic principles and then then we look and we go wait a second um you're hosting joe jorgensen right now and you're introducing her so now we're like no he's libertarian but you're also very pro-business from what we can tell and you did a movie with dennis prager and, and we saw this event that you and dave rubin did together but i thought he's my, so we're thinking you're republican so we're really confused on on what you are and I'm like, so what about me is making you think I'm any of these things? Let's like, let's unpack all of those. So we started unpacking the whole, like, we want to put somebody in a box based on something else. Right. And I got totally. them to see that they were just having a hard time fitting me in a box. When I said at the end of the day, none of those, like, I don't, Hey, here's the, here's your secret. At the end of the day, I don't even vote. There you go. All done. All done. So now I'm none of those, right? I've got friends who are all three. Um, yeah, I did this movie, but the movie was more about education, right? Dave Rubin and I did uh, an event together. And Dave is the one that kind of showed me because he was attacked kind of verbally at that event. And he showed me very tactfully how to walk people backwards based on their own words and, and continuously asking questions versus fighting back. Um, he just asked them questions to clarify and to clarify further and to clarify a little more. And ultimately they got down to the point where they couldn't actually articulate a real true provable argument. And they walked away and went, okay, I might not know exactly what I'm talking about. And so I've been trying to do the same thing. So it's a long winded way to say, I think it's gotta be these conversations and good questions. I, um, I, I love the fact cause, cause you and I are surrounded by some guys, John Vroman, John Burgoff, a lot of guys yeah, that as, ascribe, yep. ascribe to that methodology of like the real intelligence going forward is the ability to ask better questions. Like I said earlier, information is democratized. We can look right. up anything. So it's how do you craft the question? And you know, it's so funny. I see this in my children when I, I let them use Siri or Alexa and they're just like, uh, Hey, Alexa, play this song or, you know, and they, and they're just, they're trying to figure out. And my, my son's new favorite thing is Alexa, how do you say the number seven in China? And I'm like, nobody, it's Chinese. So then he has to re-ask the question. Right. And it's like, it's, it's amazing how the things we're trying to teach our children to ask better questions is exactly the thing that's going to let us break through to a number of people and maybe get them out of that conveyor belt system of school, which is tough because the last thing a parent wants to hear, let's say they've got a 12 year old, the last thing they want to hear is they've been doing something negative to their child for seven years. 
course, because they don't want that. And by the way, that's why teachers get so mad at me because they think it's an attack on them. Right. And the last thing they want is for me to say, well, they've devoted their entire career to something that actually harms young people because that's not why they're there. And I know that. And I don't think that that's why they're doing anything. I'm again, talking systemically. And so it's, again, it's the questions, right? Um, you know, well, well, how do you know your child is, is learning anything? How do you know you learned anything today? What grade level is my child? What grade level are you, 44-year-old? Yeah. Right? Well, that's not real. Right. That's right. It's yeah. not real. So if it's not real for you. Is that real for them? How do I know if I'm, you know, if they're ahead or behind? How do you know if you're ahead or behind again at 44? Like, what does that mean for you? Right. It's asking those questions that get them to go, well, that doesn't make any sense for me. Right. It doesn't make any sense for them either. Right. How does it make sense for them if it doesn't make sense? So it's again, it's asking those questions that helps people go, uh, yeah, I guess that, God, I guess that doesn't make sense. What about algebra? Cool. When's the last time you used algebra? What do you use it for? And that's not rhetorical. I really would like to know what do you use it for? When do you use calculus? Um, you know, when do you use the periodic table? If you don't, are you, why are you concerned? that your child regurgitates it, it like, what's the, you know what I mean? It's like, it's just those simple kind of questions to get them to go, ah, ah. and you can start to see, you know, it's like the matrix, right? It's like uh, Agent Smith, as soon as you start talking about that stuff, like Agent Smith comes and takes over their body, right? And they're just like, right. ah, what about, <laughs> you know, what about prom? And you're like, okay, dude, all right. So <laughs> let's unpack that too. How yeah. is your prom? Was that the defining moment of your life? You know, I remember I had Patrick Bet David on and he's like, if prom and high school were the defining moments of your life, you suck at life. You 100%. Blew it. The entire thing. Right. And I look back at prom. I know what I did in prom. Yeah. And I wasn't anything that I'm going to hang my hat on. Yeah. Nothing I'm proud of. At all. Right. And so like, oh, but my kid has to, that's what you want your kid to, like, that's your goal. Come on. You know, it's funny because we can all sit around and laugh at Ted Bundy. One time in the seventh week right. of senior school, I scored that's four right. yeah. touchdowns, four touchdowns in one game. And people can yeah. look at that and be like, that's not real life. This dumb shit ended up being a shoe salesman. And he's like living the glory days of scoring four touchdowns, you know, seventh week of senior yeah. high. And, and, but but then people won't make the next logical jump to be like, well, if that's bullshit, maybe most of it's bullshit. Yep, that's right. They won't. And they'll use that as the reason or as the excuse that their kids need to go. Like, I got to have that. They've got to be able to experience prom. They've got to be able to experience high school football games. Cool, man. You're going to sacrifice their life for high school football games. Yeah. I mean, frankly, uh, we know a lot of people who have children that started businesses in their teenage years that were so successful, they could afford yeah. box seats at the Raiders game. If you really want to go to a football game, um, you know, have your 15-year-old who, who saved enough money to buy a freaking horse. And I know horses aren't cheap. She probably yeah. could have bought some box seats to a football game and, and experienced right, that at even a higher level. Um, That's right. So we talked a lot about what was wrong, what's not working. Uh, give us some uh, some some positive closure here. What's working? What's something you're seeing in the social realm with kids politically? You know, maybe in the state where you're living. Give us some good news about what's going well, and we'll close on a positive note. I appreciate that, man. And, and the reality is. If you turn off the news, if you don't get into the divisive parts on social media, if you just go out and you just, you know, you're talking to your neighbors, you're, you're looking, most people are good freaking people. The majority are, there's some that are batshit crazy, of course, and that's always been there. And now they're hyper, uh, you know, loud because of the social media gives them that amplification and all that, but we don't need to get sucked into that. Most people are good people doing good things. So, you know, there's a lot of people that are moving towards being intentional about what's going on with their kids. Um, which is huge. Some are still not understanding that they're playing a game of like, I'm going to fight the school board. And I'm like, the school board isn't, they don't have a choice. Um, they're not going to be able to actually make any kind of change, but I appreciate that you're at least paying attention. So we got more parents at least paying attention. They haven't broken free yet, but they're paying attention. You got more people, I think, talking about the masculinity portion of that and more guys going, Hey, I need to be more intentional about that. You've got more people leaning towards sovereignty. You know, our biggest reason for the move out here was that we're on a ranch that, first of all, is you couldn't you wouldn't know it was here unless you knew how to get here. We've got security up and down the mountains, so nobody can even start coming up towards our place without us being alerted. And we got wells and solar and 
animals and so we've got food and water and electricity and all that no matter what period so the proverbial you know shit could hit the fan and we're golden right here would never have to leave and my family would be fine you have got a movement of people that are getting more and more towards those levels of sovereignty too right that they're looking how do i get to be more self-sustaining how do i make sure that i'm not a slave to, you know, the government's every whim and how do people are thinking in that way. And that can only be a positive thing. So I think all of those things are things to celebrate. That's awesome, man. I love, I love that so much. And last question, I think you already answered it, but I asked this question of every guest because I am a movie junkie. Like that's, that's my release. You know, I, I, since, since the day I got out of the army, I've had a cell phone on my side because of the job that I do. So the only place I can turn everything off, get away from everything is movies. It's always been my release favorite, favorite movie and why. And I I know you already hit a couple of them, but do you have another, another movie or a quote unquote favorite and why? That's so funny, man. Yeah. I mean, Braveheart for the back, for the very reason that I gave is my number one. It's always my number one go-to the end of the movie, that song, you know, the, uh, the execution scene, freedom, um, freedom is my favorite F word. And and that's the name of that song too. So that's my favorite movie, favorite song. Um, but pursuit of happiness was obviously impactful. Fight club was obviously impactful. Um, and, uh, so those are, those are definitely my top three. Nah, that's a lie. Um, those are three of my favorites, but one of them, that's a sneaky one that nobody ever expects, man, that for some reason, it's another one that changed my, uh, my outlook on life is Van Wilder. Not even a good movie, but I love it. Oh Have man. You seen it? Yeah. Cause worrying is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but you don't get anywhere. It doesn't get you anywhere. That's right, man. That's exactly it. And that was another huge, that was another huge part. Right. And it was another guy who was just living his creative genius and what was he doing with it? He was inspiring other people. He was leading tribes, right? He stopped worrying about what other people were expecting and wanting. And, and he just spent his time pouring into other humans and making their life better. Um, and then he did it with a smile and, and was pretty freaking funny, at, you know, uh, in the meantime, man. So that was a big one too. Doesn't Ryan Reynolds strike you as somebody, and I have no reason to think this, but I just, he strikes me as a guy where it's like, if I ended up at like a airport bar with him on a layover, it'd be a great conversation. Like you wouldn't be potential. Yeah. He just strikes me as that dude. hundred percent, man. I do not get starstruck at all. I've met a good number of, of well-known people, a lot of actors. Um, I don't get it at all. There's only two actors that I would actually well, like, you know what? I'd actually like to sit down and just chat with you. Um, Ryan Reynolds is one. Denzel Washington is the other because he just seems Ooh. like a class actor. Great picks, man. All right, dude. Well, where can people find you? Social media, website, if they're interested in learning more about Apogee Strong or where, where should people connect with you? Thanks, man. Yeah, apogeestrong.com for the mentorship. Um, if people are moving towards homeschooling, uh, educatingmoderndayheroes.com and we're helping families. Uh, we've got a big homeschool tribe that we're helping families through. Um, and you can email me directly, matt at apogeestrong.com and I'm probably most active on Instagram, just my name, Matt Bodro. Awesome, man. Well, we'll have you back on uh, probably as I go along this acting journey and I, I learn the pros, the cons, what's working. We'll have you on to talk about, you know, my son's hero's journey and uh, I appreciate it, man. Great conversation. Uh, pleasure's mine, man.